You are listening to. You are listening to. You are listening to. Rural Voices, the Rural Youth Europe podcast. Welcome back to Rural Voices. This is part two in our episode celebrating and highlighting the LGBTQI community in rural areas. In the last episode, I spoke to Johan and Kim, who not only spoke about how the EU supports the LGBTI community, but hopefully also got you thinking about how all of us as members and leaders within our rural organisations can continue these conversations within our organisations. I'm excited for you to hear the two interviews within this episode. They are packed full with practical advice and what we can all be doing to try and be more inclusive. Firstly, I spoke to Geffen Bickerton from Wales. He spoke about projects that he has been involved in with NFYFC, as well as sharing his personal story growing up in rural Wales. In my head, I couldn't make the connection with, I can be a gay farmer or a gay farmer's son and working here in rural Mid Wales. Nobody had done that yet openly, so I didn't know. I didn't know if I was allowed to. I didn't know if I could, if I could belong here. I also spoke to MEP Maria Walsh, who helped to set up an LGBTI network within Macra Nefirma in Ireland. This network is a blueprint which I think we can all draw inspiration from and look to include within our own organisations. You know, I align with one letter of, of our ever-growing rainbow, um, but I have to be an ally, uh, in, in, particularly for our trans community or the lesbian community who feels like they're not included as much as they should, or our gay community. In long story short, you know, that is what the this um, subgroup of, of, of Mockerna Farmer is. But first, let's hear what happened when I caught up with Geffen from Wales. You are listening to... You are listening to... You are listening to... Rural Voices. The Rural Youth Europe podcast. Hi Geffen, welcome to Rural Voices. It's great to have you on the podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Let's get straight into it. There's there's lots I want to talk to you about. So to start, what is your background? Did you grow up on a farm? I did, yes. I grew up in rural mid Wales in Montgomeryshire in the lovely Tanat Valley. Uh, grew up on a beef and sheep farm near Llanhaidr Machnant. Such a gorgeous part of the world. Um, and I now live in Cardiff, but looking back, I just really didn't appreciate it for what it was. Um, but now going back, I absolutely love it. Uh, there's so many gorgeous views, so serene and quiet and peaceful, away from civilization, which I love, and surrounded by sheep and cows and dogs. What more could you ask for? Nice. Yeah. What more could you want? Um, what do you do now in Cardiff? So I'm a, an actor. I trained uh, at the university. Um, I have a master's in musical theatre and hopefully will be going on to perform in the West End. This is the dream. Nice. Um, obviously, because of the pandemic, I had to figure out some alternative routes to fill the time. So I've been working as a teaching assistant in a primary school, which has been oh, just such a wonderful experience. Um, and I have joined the Board of Trustees for the DPJ Foundation. They're a mental health charity in Wales, supporting farmers and agricultural workers who um, might be suffering themselves from mental health or know of somebody who is suffering. 
Um, and yeah, I also work for an education charity, um, supporting children going after social actions and combating social issues within their communities. So I'm keeping busy. Yeah, I've made busy. up for the last time, but um, <laughs> all the experiences have just been so fulfilling. And yeah, it been, it's been a great way of channeling my creativity that was just sitting there. But it's, no, it's been lovely. It's, I've actually had quite a nice year. So acting and farming two very different industries growing up on the farm in rural wales were people surprised to hear that you wanted to become an actor um oh do you know what i've never been asked that question before i think um i would always compete in the ice Edwards, which is a um a wales-based competition uh where people sing recite um perform dance i never danced but you get the gist um and with the young farmers, of course, I would always do the half hour entertainment. I'd be in the pantomimes, I'd be in the dramas and all sorts. So I think people always knew that there was, that I really enjoyed it. Because I think when you're that age, it's really obvious if, if a person that age enjoys something or not. Um, and I, I feel like a lot of people knew that this, this was something that I really enjoyed and to me, it was it was my calling, and I I just yeah really enjoyed it, everything about it. And growing up in you know as you say deepest darkest rural Wales, <laughs> um, was your sexuality as a gay man was that something that you had always accepted, or was that something that took a while to get to terms with? It took a while, and that's what I will say. Um, it took me about five years to come out to everybody who I wanted to, whether people knew before then or during. That's um, uh, none of my business. But in terms of my family and my closest friends, it took me, the, yeah, the best part of two years, uh, best part of five years, sorry, um, between, you know, t- telling my sister when I moved to Cardiff, it became something quite... Um, um, I don't know, moving to a city, meeting other gay people, um, because that's definitely something that I didn't have when I was growing up as a role model. I didn't have anybody who I could access, um, compare myself to, or um, uh, look up to, actually. I couldn't be like, oh, here is a gay farmer. So in my head, I couldn't make the connection with, I can be a gay farmer or a gay farmer's son and working here in rural mid Wales. Nobody had done that yet openly. So I didn't know. I didn't know if I was allowed to. I didn't know if I could, if I could belong here um, in Wales, being open and gay and maybe having a boyfriend on the farm with me, shearing the sheep, you know, that whole concept seemed so foreign to me. Um, so it definitely took time. I think it was my drama teacher in school was the first person I came out to which um, uh, Mrs Saunders, and I will always, always thank her for her support. Um, but yeah, in terms of the rural side of it, it was more of a fear in my head, I think, of what people were going to think or what people were going to say, um, rather than what people were saying. Um, and I kind of wanted to figure it out in my head first, um, because it was my problem for me. It was my issue. I needed to deal with it, come to terms with it. And then once it settled in my head, I could then go forward to tell people. 
Um, I am happy to say that I am out to everybody who I love and care about now, and I cannot thank them enough for, my, for their support. I have been so, so lucky and grateful. Um, and I just love going home and love embracing the agricultural upbringing part of my life. Yeah, and I mean, it just comes back to that role model conversation. In the last episode, I spoke to Johan from Sweden, who spoke about the importance of having LGBT role models and having that safe space to just talk about it. And that's something that we say all the time about mental health as well, talk about it. And I know you have very bravely spoken about your own struggles in the past. Can you say a bit about what you've gone through and how maybe your sexuality played a part in that? Of course, yeah. So the the earliest point I can kind of think of was, um, oh my gosh, I think probably about 10 years ago now. Oh, so scary. When I was doing my GCSEs. Now, anybody who's currently doing their GCSEs, you know, oh my gosh, it's such a stressful time. I had about 15 exams. I was, you know, studying all the time. I was doing loads of extracurriculars as well, swimming, singing, acting, all of that stuff. So my life was pretty hectic in school, going home then, farming. It was all encompassing, I suppose. Um, and then came the, the confusion, um, I will always call it, about um, attraction and... Um, my feelings. I was seeing people getting into relationships and I suppose I had a bit of a, uh, more of an intrigue more than anything. So what, what are they actually feeling? I don't really understand this. So I kind of kept, um, kept myself to myself in that way. Um, but yeah, I think it, it just, it was more, I wasn't sure if I was uh, admiring people for the way they looked. I was, I was quite overweight in school. So of course I, I became um, trapped in the sense of comparing myself to others about my body, how how other people were looking, even getting changed in the changing rooms kind of thing, you, you notice. And then it was much more internal for me um, about my own insecurities. So that along with the stresses of exams and trying to do well, I think it all kind of hit me like a brick wall back then. Oh gosh, when would it have been? Um, yeah, so it kind of, it led to quite a, just a really kind of sad place, I think, in my mind. Um, I'm, I'd say I was very anxious. I suffered a lot from anxiety, but obviously no, well, nobody spoke about it back then. So I couldn't identify it as anxiety. Um, nowadays, I've, I've been back to my high school and there are so many positive um, processes in place for people who are suffering or just having a bad day. Um, um, but you know, had I not reached out to my closest friends, my teachers, my, you know, friends from outside of school, um, I don't really like to think about how, where, where my, um, mind would have gone, maybe. Coming out to my dad was one of the hardest things I think I've ever had to do. Um, and he's probably the person's reaction who I cared about most, um, you know, I, I love my dad and we've got such a good relationship now. Um, but, you know, it was such a good thing for me. I was so glad that I waited, that I waited for the right opportunity because you do, there, there will be the right opportunity. You'll feel it in your gut. You'll think, oh, and then a bunch of words I probably shouldn't say. And then you will think, 
right, I'm, this is it, I'm going to do it. And that moment does come. Uh, I'd say don't rush it. Um, but there's been so much more exposure on the television about people openly LGBT in sports, on the news, we've got presenters who are openly LGBT, um, you know, performers, singers, all of it. And it's right there in front of your faces. It's pretty difficult to, to not see it nowadays um, and not consider it as, as normal, whatever normal is. But it's, it, it, it's there. It's not hidden anymore as much. Yeah, that, um, that visibility is just clearly just so important and makes it so much easier. Yes. And, and actually one of the main reasons why I wanted to chat to you today is about your contributions to the Young Farmers Rural Plus programme in England and Wales. Now, first, can you explain what that is and how did you come about helping with that? So Rural Plus is a programme that um, is given to young farmer groups or um, societies all around the UK. And it's a series of workshops that can get you involved in um, creating a, um, a coping mechanism, if you like, for dealing with mental health or to help somebody who is dealing with poor mental health. So in these sessions, you are given um, brilliant tactics of really visualizing what's going on in your head and maybe w the reasons for feeling this way. But also we've got some wonderful coping mechanisms, something as easy as taking a hot shower, going for a walk, listening to music, small things that we all can do any time of day um, to just improve our mental health that little bit. And am I right in thinking that as part of the programme, uh, you hear stories from different individuals and I believe one of those stories is your story? It may well be. <laughs> I think it's, yeah, it's really nice that they've included some of the videos actually, um, because I think when people watch the videos, um, they will hopefully get a sense of that person, the individual, maybe what they've been through a little bit. Um, and, you know, the, the age range of people who will be watching it, somebody as young as 16 might be able to identify some aspects of themselves in those videos or anybody, you know, at the other end of the scale. And why do you think it was important that we have a story on that programme that will be delivered to clubs across the country that comes from an LGBT voice? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I've actually not thought of that. Uh, as so many people have seen my face. <laughs> I think it's really important because, you know, we exist. Absolutely we exist. But, um, you know, there are charities supporting um, LGBT in agriculture. So, of course, they wouldn't do it if we didn't exist. And going back, I suppose, to coming out, one of the things that I really wanted people to know is that it didn't change who I was at all. I was still going to come home do the shearing, I was still going to help at lambing time, still going to drive the tractor. I wasn't going to turn my life, turn away from the countryside because it's such a big part of who I am and who I was. And um, being gay didn't change any of that. So that was really important for me to tell people. Um, so, you know, hopefully without myself having a role model, it sounds a little cliche, but I would love to, of people to think that I am a kind of role model for them. I would love young gay farmers, especially in Wales, to be able to 
see me on the screen or see me in person in the Winter Fair next week or see me about and just be able to be like, this here is a living example that it's okay and that we can be openly gay in this rural community in Wales. I really remember seeing a video clip that NFYFC shared on their Facebook of you proudly saying that you're a farmer's son and a gay man and we need to be talking about your mental health. And I remember thinking, wow, you know, I don't see that often from young farmers accounts. You know, what is your advice to rural youth organisations to have the balls to post that, you know, if maybe that is something they haven't done before. Do it. Absolutely. If you, you know, what's, what's the worst that can happen? And it, it, it's, it's so sad to think that people are not posting it. If, if they have it there, that to me shouldn't be an option. Sorry. It's, it's, it's not, you're representing, if you're an organization representing rural communities, you are representing every single person within that rural community, regardless of your age, your race, your gender, your ability, your sexuality, you are representing us all. So that should be represented on all forms of social media, on your website, in every campaign that you do. Um, and it was lovely to see a lot of charities supporting Pride Month. I know it's lovely to celebrate it for a month, but that needs to be sustained throughout the year. It can't be for a single month um, because we don't just exist for a month and then whittle back underground. We're here all the time and we need the support because there are still people who are in a situation where they don't feel comfortable to come out. They cannot, they don't feel like they belong in the community. Just, just embrace it as well and not be scared of it. If you've got questions, find a farmer who is an LGBT member, ask the questions. If you're worried about posting something or offending somebody, the only way you're going to, you're not going to offend somebody is to ask and learn and adapt. And I think with the whole Black Lives Matter movement as well, I think that's really encouraged people to just engage in a conversation and not be worried about it. You know, we've got so many things that are changing at the moment it's okay to not know and it's really okay to be confused but the only way we can get out of that is to ask questions ask the questions that may, may, might make you look silly people will appreciate it if somebody came up to me and asked oh i'm not sure about pronouns for example then i would happily i would gladly educate them and then they would go on and pass that message forward. And that's how we make a difference, is to ask questions and educate ourselves and try our best not to be scared because we're, we're all human, we're all the same, we all deal with the same emotions, just ask. Mm. Yeah, I, th I think that's some great, great advice. And, you know, what what we're saying here is you don't need to all of a sudden be running massive pride events and be singing and dancing with pride flags you know just simply starting these conversations and little things like if you've got a fundraiser raise some money for an lgbt charity you know little things like that make such a difference just to start these conversations yeah absolutely but also you know have a big party because <laughs> yeah whack all the Kylie on and the Madonna and all of it, all those gay anthems, whack them on. <laughs> People love them because they're such great songs. So, you know, find the balance, find what works for your club. Um, but 
yeah, if you want to, go for it. If you're not sure, ease it in. Have a speaker, um, you know, have, have some leaflets maybe from the charity. Have a speaker from the charity to come in um, or just do um, a sponsored anything to raise money. And I think, you know, that will really be appreciated. Uh, well, before we start playing some Kylie and Madonna, <laughs> um, thank you so much, Geffen, for you know for being so honest and open with us. And I know there are lots of nuggets of practical advice in there that people will be able to take away. You're definitely very much a role model to young kids Aww. growing up in Wales. So thank you for giving up your time. Okay, thank you. You are listening to. You are listening to. You are listening to. Rural Voices, the Rural Youth Europe podcast. Hi, Maria. Welcome to Rural Voices. I really appreciate you giving up some of your time to come and speak on the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Delighted to always talk about rural uh, Europe uh, issues affecting young people, sprinkling a little bit of modernism and what it's like to be a rural youth these days and how our future looks so only delighted to have the chats amazing right let, let's get straight into it you are no stranger to one of our member organizations Macronaferma in ireland what is your background did you grow up in a rural area yes so uh, i am a very proud Macronaferma member um in our small branch called three lakes uh, just in the west coast of ireland so um, I was originally born in Boston, Massachusetts, and then moved to uh, a very small village called Shrew, County Mayo, just on the, the west coast of Ireland between uh, Mayo and Galway when I was seven. Um, and my dad, who was, both my parents are from rural Ireland, also one from Mayo, another from Connemara. Um, but my dad, you know, had a, we had a small farm uh, and he did not believe in getting a sheepdog because uh, he had four children. Uh, so that <laughs> is where not only did I uh, grow in fitness, uh, but also in understanding um, the, the the beautiful essence that the land brings and how you grow up and, and, and all those great things. So for me, then farming became very, very much, while it's a part-time uh, role for my dad and still very much is, it was very much a part of my upbringing. And then here sitting in the European Parliament, I was years in the States, but when I came back and decided to put my hand up and get involved in politics, you know, one of my core things was talking about being young, uh, being LGBTQI, uh, loving rural life in terms of farming and having that balance and understanding about the stuff uh, and the many, the much needs that farming uh, and West of Ireland living brings to you. Um, yeah, so long story short, that's, that's in a, a, and now I have, I'm fortunate to have uh, my dad and I do a co-partnership so while, while, while he doesn't like to admit uh, that I'm a co-partner with him uh, at times particularly if I don't stand properly in a gate or uh, or an animal goes running um, I, I'm very much there which which is great because then you, yeah the sustainability is there. So wanting to champion rural life and rural people is that a big part of why you wanted to get into politics? Yeah, absolutely. So for me, we didn't grow up in a political household. And I think this is really important to, uh, when I talk to anybody under a certain age, um, like ourselves here, you know, I think for, for many politics might 
like my household wasn't discussed at the kitchen table um but we are community-led people so for us and in my parents in particular like church gate collections sweeping community centers marshalling at st patrick's day parades um being involved in youth organizations as a young person then as as uh, as an adult leader um like that was my politics um under you know being being as active as you could be within your community um was for me the essence of everything uh, that rural upbringing i think brings to us um who are fortunate enough to call rural wherever a home um and then when i went to the states for a number of years and i came back and i was involved in an irish festival called the rose of Chilean, and I guess a number of things had changed on the landscape of politics. One, I'm an Obama baby. So as he was coming onto the scene um, in the sense of, you know, heroic speeches, uh, audacity of hope, that language around communication that you could be from anywhere and still have a place at our political table um, really inspired me from a younger age. Um, and then when I came back from the States and the likes of uh, US politics had shifted and changed in 2016. Um, and that frustrated me because as an American born, but obviously Irish bred, um, you know, I was very mindful of how politics from one side of the world infected and, and dare I say, impacted positively and negatively on, on us here in Europe, uh, in particular Ireland uh, as a country also. Um, and then I realized, I looked around and I thought, there's no one really who looks like me or sounds like me or my mates talking about issues that are really uh, important. So why can't you be a young gay woman from rural Ireland and look at your region with such ambitious perspective and then put your hand up and get involved? So at some point um, in the mid half of 2018, I really got frustrated and fed up of my own BS, if you don't mind me saying that armchair activism only brings you so far. Uh, and then you have to get up off the armchair and put your hand up and live in the bravery of going for an election and hoping your peers uh, and those around you also support you. So surprised a few in 2019 by being elected, considering I hadn't really come from anywhere. Um, but so far, so far, yeah, just keep surprising people. <laughs> that's, that's the end goal, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you're there, you made it. Um, on this episode of the podcast, we are talking all about the LGBTI community in rural areas and you have recently helped set up an LGBT plus network within Macronaferma. Can you explain what exactly that is and, and what is it there to do? Yeah, I, and I wish, I, I, you know, I was a part of it in terms of adding my voice and, and, and my support and my lived experience because I think like anything in life, particularly if you're LGBTQI, um uh, the lived experience from another and the sp safe space to share that in is incredibly important uh, now more than ever when we when you go to online or you're you're following media the narrative is quite polarized so it's very us and them and then you're trying to figure out where your truth is and where that is and um and i often think and i'm a victim of it too you know you um you compare and you contrast to what you're seeing on your screen every day which is an often um, a different lived experience than what is actually being lived. So um, for us in the LGBTI sector of Mocklin Affirma, it is very much about having an open space, not just talking about LGBTQI issues, because it's not just for LGBTI citizens. You know, I think, I think having an ally is, dare I say, equally as important, if not the more important, so that you're understanding, well, your friend or foe um, is going through something quite difficult um, 
and to see it and to understand it and to offer that support, have the correct language. I think we're all allies. You know, I align with one letter of, of our ever-growing rainbow, um, but I have to be an ally, uh, in, in, particularly for our trans community um, or the lesbian community who feels like they're not included as much as they should or our gay community or, you know, the, the, the plus is there because we're all, um, and I believe should be sh should be champion of various causes and needs and social conversation. So, in long story short, you know that is what the this um, subgroup of 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 Mockburn Affirmer is, um, and I hope it's a, a a great blueprint for other uh, farming organisations right throughout the European Union. Because when we talk about solidarity um, and we talk about that support and that network, one country like Ireland. Um, shouldn't pave the way. I mean, we're really fortunate. It was only of recent that Mocker and Affirmary got involved and that came out of grassroots movement of people wanting to be involved. Um, so a CEO and a leader of, of, of a party or an organization can, can really just move based off where the movement wants them to go. And I think sometimes we forget that and CEOs or management directors or whomever it is, may, we feel it's pulling the strings. Like, they're doing that based off the voices that are coming forth. So we need to get louder, get off that armchair if you want to see difference within your community, um, particularly for our farming organizations. Um, it's not just one thing or, you know, our conversation around a common agricultural policy or our climate relationship with that. It also is a social fabric of what holds families and communities together. And it's making sure that each and every one of us shows up in our most authentic self in the most supportive way that we can. So in, in not to politicize it, but that for me is what uh, and why I lend my voice to to the LGBTI group in, in Macron Affirma. Yeah, and in very practical terms, this LGBTI group in Macron Affirma, you know, what are they doing? Are they jumping on a Zoom and having a chat? Oh, or? we're just chit-chatting. Yeah. Oh, 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 you know, <laughs> as Irish people, we're the, we're the greatest chit-chatters that know about. No, but I must say... Um, you know, and I wish I could take any sort of credit for this, but but I can't. Um, but there is a great group of young farmers who are not necessarily just creating space for conversation, like I've alluded to here. Um, but they're also putting forward statements, best practices, code of practice, um, making sure there's language training or at least calling for language training so that everybody's understanding, myself included, about, you know, pronouns. Um, what other community members might need support in or be it in all our professional networks um, that we're also making sure that that peppers through so it's not just young farmers voices but also lgbtqi voices within the farming sector um, so there's a lot of the non-legislative and legislative and policy pushes work going on also in conjunction with creating more and more awareness and space for lgbtqi communities to, to come together yeah, and and in creating this safe space, it's probably important to say that some people will be getting involved and it will be totally anonymous. You know, no one else will ever know that, that they're a part of that and that's quite an important part of it. Absolutely, and and, that's, and thank you for flagging that because that's essential. Not everybody um, is, is out. Um, everybody's lived experience needs to be respected. So therefore you know, our use of even social media is is restricted to those that want to be a part, you know, don't want to be a part of it um, and, and open to those who do. Um, and I think that is incredibly important and to really echo and stress for anybody who might be thinking about creating their own LGBTI community within their rural uh, farming organization that, you know, we have to move at the pace 
that the people want us to move at uh, and be super respectful for those who are just trying to find their own their own story within it and how they want to vocalize it you know not every and i think that's what's really special about the lgbtqi community it's something that we often don't shy about uh and sit within the bravery of it you know each and every one of us has come out in our own unique ways um or are about to come out or may never come out um and that's their that's their story um and therefore they should be in control of it so um yeah uh, security of the space confidentiality of the space and just understanding and trusting that it is a safe space for yeah. for one and all yeah definitely and did the team that were setting this network up you know what what were some of the challenges that they had to face setting it up yeah i know um i know there was a number of um conversations just around well what are what are the terms and conditions applied of creating this subgroup you know how does that work what logistically how is this how is this happening how do we keep everybody safe how do we raise awareness for what you're doing while also making sure not everybody who doesn't want to be involved in the pr of it uh, is also held space and then ultimately you know what is the the tangible um and you say the practicalities of this group because it's it's fine to create a safe space uh, and have conversations and meet people and become this meet and greet and um um you know event or or online gathering um but what are actually the the things that are going to make it easier to be lgbtqi in rural ireland in an organization such as mockerna firma um in five ten years time like are we we have to follow through on 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 the things that are keeping it moving um so i know there was a lot of debate and discussion around that but uh, as far as i'm aware now we're moving in the really positive right direction um and to make sure that when prides happen um across europe but in particular ireland both in rural and urban areas that we have some sort of representation if we don't then why not uh, and how can we make sure we're doing it better the next time that pride only happens though once or maybe you know once a month or maybe one whole month that it's now moved into but there's a lot of other months and days uh, and weeks that that lgbtqi community still needs support um and we need to break the stigma um that it is just uh, a bachelor or a bachelor farmer living in rural parts of europe um who happened to be gay but never came out uh, and that that weird conversation that often happens around that person whereas in actual fact they need to be a part of the conversation should they align with that share their lived experiences should they want to um but know that there is a a huge network there to support um an ally and champion them uh should and if they need and if there are some other member organizations listening to this and are inspired by this very idea you know what would be some advice to them to to just get started and get the ball yeah. rolling i think i think a shared network is is a phenomenal you know one of the benefits of the european union is that we have a shared network so please get in touch with mockerna firma um please get in touch with my office too because i'm happy to navigate you to those that are doing the heavy lifting on this within mockerna firma um and then link link out and and figure out if there's if you do decide to do a zoom call perhaps um given the world we're living now with the pandemic that is there opportunity for us as irish representatives or other european organizations that are also trying to champion this that we get on a call and share best practices and how we can support each other because while it's not a copy and paste from one part of the european union to the other 
there's sure there's certainly synergies that could work um and i think that's what's probably one of the most um greatest benefits that we have with being involved in a network like yourselves and having these conversations absolutely and you mentioned just a moment ago about getting rid of that stigma because you know there may be some people listening to this thinking if we post about this on social media or we start talking about this you know, we might get some kind of backlash. I I don't really know. We've never really spoken about this in our organisation before. You know, what is your advice to those people that are having those thoughts? Yeah, great question. And I think, you know, I think the power, there's a couple of things, uh, but instantly what comes to my my brain when you're you're asked that question is, um, we have so many forms of technology now that perhaps an anonymous survey could really help just start a conversation i.e. you're asking 10 questions across your membership and you can figure out the lay of the land of that membership and making sure it's not getting out to the usual suspects who have a strong voice already at the table uh, but looking beyond that and trying to navigate around what it is younger people um, want their European Union to do. Another caveat could be we're currently in the midst of a conference on the future of Europe and what Europe will look like in 5, 10, 20 years time is this a space to have this conversation in, as well as other conversations about a more social, socially connected Europe, uh, and that equality is not just a buzzword, but that we're actually seeing other voices around the table. Um, and I think you build from there. I think if you have some champions that are living as an LGBTQI uh, farmer um, or rural youth champion, that perhaps they're willing to go under the spotlight and answer questions about the difficulties they faced at joining an organization, um, and then what other opportunities they have to learn from that. So there's a lot of essentially conversation. I mean, you couldn't, you can't get anywhere from A to B without it. Um, but as long as to what I said earlier, that movement is guiding you there, which I think when speaking with any organization, young or old, right across the European Union on various issues, um, having that equality piece is incredibly important. So I'd be, I'd be highly surprised nowadays that younger people don't want it as a given. Um, and with that, then you build your code of conduct, you build your safe spaces uh, and your regular meetings don't have to happen every week, perhaps once a month where people are just gathering like meetups or, you know, just a could be a walk in a conversation on a farm um, and that you're still having subtle conversations about showing up and being supported in the organization that you align to. Absolutely. I think I think that is some brilliant advice. Um, oh, thank you so much, Maria, for coming on to the podcast. I really think... I really think you're a huge inspiration actually and to so many and there is just so much we can learn from you. Just finally, before we go, we have a full range of different ages of listeners on this podcast, especially some of our organisations. Where, where do I sit in this? As a 34-year-old, am I sitting on the older side of it or the, oh God, by your facial reaction, I'm sitting on the older side. Or else I'm so far out of it. No, I mean, some of our organisations like 4H are super young. So, so potentially on the slightly... The more vintage side, I hear you. Maybe. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you could go back in time and give some advice to your 10-year-old self, what would you say to 10-year-old Maria? Oh, um, find, ha- find, find happiness in the days that, that you're in. Um, continue to ask questions of those that you surround yourself in. If you're like me, have, having grown up in rural Ireland, I was in Marts and meeting with 
various personalities, a little bit more of a vintage than I, um, who allowed me to find my personality. Uh, and that, that rural rawness that we have as I think uh, younger people growing up in the European Union now, and that's something that not everybody has. Uh, and I only wish I appreciated it more because I sure, sure in hell do now that I have that, that, that understanding that you can hop, hop, hop the gate and head in and have a, an honest conversation about a really t- difficult, difficult topic with a farmer like, uh, like mental health, like sexuality, um, like the fear that, that's out there in terms of not understanding what's going on in the world and in our farming sector. Um, and I think that to me is what I would continue to champion and um, yeah, and, and buy a new pair, pair of wellies because you're going to be using them running around the farm <laughs> yes. for the foreseeable future. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Oh, thank you very much, Maria. It, it's been lovely to chat. Likewise. Thank you very much. And thanks for giving me an opportunity to share my, my lived experience. You are listening to. You are listening to. You are listening to. Rural Voices. The Rural Youth Europe podcast. Thank you so much to both Geffen and Maria who featured in today's episode. We all have the responsibility to make sure that everyone feels welcome within our own organisations. And we can all take nuggets of advice from Geffen and Maria and also from Johan and Kim in the last episode. We really can be making such a difference to so many people. We're not going to stop talking about this in Rural Youth Europe. Next year, our autumn seminar is called Rural Out Loud and will be held in Ireland discussing these topics in more detail. More information about this is on our website. We've got no campfire stories at the end of this episode. Instead, next week, just before Christmas, we will be releasing a campfire story special. We recorded it in Dublin at our board meeting. The whole board got involved as well as a special guest. So you will hear from the whole team in the next episode. So make sure you hit subscribe so that you don't miss it. You are listening to. You are listening to. You are listening to. Rural Voices. The Rural Youth Europe podcast.